I am interviewing Dr. Aaron Ross on today's episode. Dr. Ross is a therapist with the Institute for Couple and Family Enhancement. She has her bachelor's and master's in communication studies, her master's in marriage and family therapy, and has a PhD in marriage and family therapy from Texas Tech University. Erin lives in San Antonio with her husband and three kids and has a private practice where she focuses on sexual wellness and couples counseling. I had listeners and followers send in questions about sex and relationships. Dr. Ross is answering your questions and focusing on the importance of knowing yourself, your needs, and then communicating those needs to your partner. Welcome to Moms in the Hub podcast, the one and only podcast for Love It Moms. I share mom fells, discuss trending mom topics, and highlight amazing parents in the 806. Grab a drink and join me as we navigate motherhood in the Hub City. Make sure to give a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. I'm your host, Danae Hooks. I'm an author, speaker, Love It Moms contributor, and chaos coordinator to three amazing kids. Welcome back. I'm going to do a catch up before we get to my interview with Dr. Erin Ross, which was amazing. I want to definitely have her back because I know after this episode, even more questions are going to come pouring in because it's a very important topic, but it's also sometimes a very touchy topic, one that we don't want to necessarily have with our partner or our friends or a counselor, but um, we covered a lot of good stuff, so um, I can't wait for you to listen, and I can't wait to hear your feedback, but I am actually recording this on Friday, um, and last night I went to the Girl Scouts Dessert First event at the Texas Tech Club, which was amazing, and I was so excited. Ashley Smith took home several different prizes, um, People's Choice over, overall, and I know her, I've interviewed her before, and she's just the sweetest lady ever, and she deserves all of the, the accomplishments she's getting with her hard work and her amazing, amazing desserts, so check her out. And it was just fun hanging out with my girlfriends. We had great McPherson wine and the desserts. Oh my goodness, there were so many, so many good desserts. It was really hard to choose our favorites, but it was a great event, and I hope they raised a lot of money and it was just a great girls' night out. So if they have this again next year, I really suggest you go because it was a lot of fun. Um, but I'm starting a new class today. I was accepted into the Texas Partners in Policymaking class of two in 2023. And I'm super excited because they had a lot of applicants this year and they only chose 41. And I happen to be one of those 41. And I know it's going to teach me to be a better advocate, not only for Hannah, but other people as well. And I'm very excited to learn from all of the experts and self-advocates and other parents and teachers and, you know, all the educators and experts that they'll have in this class. So I can't wait to talk more about that as I get further into that. But of course, everything is happening at once. I start this class and um, we head to Houston on Monday because Hannah does have her very big surgery um, on Tuesday morning. I've talked about it before, spinal fusion surgery. It'll be eight to nine hours long, so it's going to be a very, very long day. And her and I will be in Houston for about three weeks. So like I've said before, send all your good vibes, prayers, well wishes, everything for a successful surgery. 
and a very easy recovery because I know she will be in some pain. And as mamas, we know it's, it's very hard to watch our children in pain. So that, as soon as we get back from Houston, then we are full force into our fundraiser on October 17th for Rett Syndrome. So it is a golf tournament out at Hillcrest. So if you are a golfer or if you are a business that wants to put together a team or you just want to come help or donate money, then please um, consider doing so because we need all the help. We need all the teams and all the money we can get. I do want to give a big donation to the International Rett Syndrome Foundation because that money goes towards research. Rett Syndrome has been cured in mice, so research is very crucial right now so that they can bring a treatment to people living with Rett Syndrome. So a lot going on, but I'm really excited for this episode. If you like it, please give it a rating, review, share it with your friends, and always, always feel free to email me at podcast at LBK Moms if you have suggestions or questions. But I do have to say, Erin and I both had dog issues during this episode, but they don't last very long. But, um, you know, our dogs don't care if we're recording a podcast because they want attention, right? Um, And she also talks about the kids not caring about our sex life, right? Because they're not trying to make it any easier. So let's talk about sex and I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) Okay, that came out funny. I hope you enjoy the episode, but I also hope you enjoy your sex life. So here we go. And today on Moms in the Hub podcast, I have Erin Ross, who has her PhD in marriage and family therapy from Texas Tech University. Hello, Erin. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be talking with you guys today. Well, before we get started, I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about you, your career, your family, and also about Alamo City Moms as well. Perfect. Yeah, so we're actually connected through a City Mom Collective because I'm the managing director and was a a contributor for about five or six years down at Alamo City Moms in San Antonio. Um, And I met Chelsea at one of our national conferences and loved her so much. And so here we are. Um, A little bit about myself. I am a marriage and family therapist who's currently in private practice uh, in San Antonio. But yes, I'm a proud Texas Tech graduate too. I spent two years in Lubbock uh, during my doctoral work. Met my husband who was in law school there. And then we both moved back to San Antonio where I completed my dissertation So I have extremely fond memories of Lubbock and always love stopping by. We go to Santa Fe once a year. So um, we go through Lubbock to say hi. Um, In terms of my background and career, I've been in practice for about 15 years. I took a five-year hiatus just to focus on raising three kiddos at once. Once my youngest was born, who is now five, I... um, I went back to work and I've loved most minutes of being a stay at home mom, (laughs) but I realized that I missed my professional identity. So I came back to work about a year and a half ago. Um, I see primarily couples and I love that dynamic because it's hard, um, but it's really rewarding to see couples really understand each other a little bit better by the end of it, hopefully. Um, But I specialize in sex therapy. Um, and specifically helping women and couples understand their sexual identity a little bit better and understand how sex plays a major role in their overall health and wellness. In terms of my background, I guess it was quite a journey to (laughs) find my calling. I started out in law school, actually, which sounds strange, um, but I hated every minute of it. I wanted to help families, and that 
wasn't, I didn't want to do divorce and child custody all day long. I wanted to actually get in there and kind of help, help the dynamic. So I quickly switched to grad school and I got my bachelor's degree in communication studies. So I thought, well, I'll just go back and teach and communications. So I got my master's degree in communication studies and then realized I wanted to apply it um, and help families. So then I got another master's degree in marriage and family therapy and kind of the rest is history because then I went on to get my PhD. But I, I, I decided that so much of what I saw was sexuality based, even if that's not how they presented. Uh, and so I went back to specialize in, in sex therapy just because I think it's such a huge part of our relationships. Anyway, so I decided to kind of focus on my research and work on sexuality and specifically female sexuality. Mm-hmm. I've been married for 15 years, going on 16, and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, your relationship changes so much over the years, especially oh, yeah. when you add in kids and careers and all the stressors, good and bad things going on. And sometimes that goes to the back of the, you know, it's on the back burner and it's a very, very oh. important part of your relationship. It is. And it's also an important part of who you are. And I think we forget that it's not just relational, it's Mm -hmm. personal, it's individual. Um, And as a mom, I'm a mother of three. Like I said, I have a daughter who's 10 and a son who just turned eight. And then our little caboose is five. He's, he's our feral cat. We call him, (laughs) but we love him a lot. It just makes a huge difference in how you see yourself as a person, right? And motherhood changes sexuality and it does every single time. It doesn't matter how you gave birth, if you gave birth, it makes a huge difference. All my babies were IVF babies. Okay. Um, so we had fertility issues and that's a whole different ballgame, whole different po- podcast. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but how it changes how you see your sexuality, you have to take that into account. And it's important that don't assume that everything just stays the same after motherhood. Yeah. And I think, you know, for years and years, we've kept this to ourselves and now people are talking about these things more openly, which I think you should do Absolutely. because, um, I know women have questions. We had, uh, we posed this question to our mom Yoon, which is a group of 7,000 women here in Lubbock and surrounding areas. And yeah. we, you know, we said, what are your questions? And a lot of these really touch on, you know, sex after becoming a mother which mm-hmm. obviously not only do this, you do you do this as a career, but you are a mom to three young children who are probably very busy. I myself, I have a 13 year old, a 10 year old and a five year old. And our five year old is the game changer. <laughs> <laughs> we always are. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's just, it, I'm glad that we're having this discussion and I'm glad that women can, you know, play this and listen and just get some great information from you and what you do and how you help women and couples too. Okay. So let's get into some of the questions. I, I sent them to you ahead of time. You know, a lot of questions came in about scheduling sex or how to fit it into a busy schedule when you're exhausted with the kids. A lot of us have kids who come into our bed at night or sleeping with us. So how do you schedule, but not schedule where you still have, you know, spontaneity in the relationship? Yeah. So it's a really important question. And I think a lot of us in this, um, part of motherhood, um, feel like we're not, we're not very sexy anymore. Right. And spontaneity, we often associate with sexiness or, you know, um, desire and semantics matter 
as in every aspect of life, um, you know, when I read the question and it said, you know, how do you fake spontaneity? I think it starts to matter in terms of how we say that, because a myth is that scheduled sex isn't good sex, Mm -hmm. right? That it needs to be completely Hollywoodized. It's, it's not Hollywood approved sex. So, you know, it's not good. It feels weird if we schedule it. But the truth is, instead of saying it's scheduled and it's not spontaneous, I think it's important to say it's intentional. Yeah. Right. We are intentionally putting our relationship up at the top of the list. And so it doesn't have to necessarily be penetrative sex every single time, Mm -hmm. but creating a sexual environment where you can connect with your partner. It's important that's an, that it's an intentional act, right? Um, Because scheduled sex doesn't mean bad sex. It means that you are intentionally trying to add that to your life in a way that makes sense for you. And so what that means is, yeah, we may have to say, you know what? Um, And some couples are fine with like 8 p.m. on Tuesday nights. Great. Let's do this. Right. But if that doesn't work for you, that's still okay. It's an important conversation to have with your partner in regards to when do I feel like I'm in the mood? Right. Right. And maybe that's in the morning and that's not going to work for you with kids at home. Right. But um, is it okay for us to intentionally put some time away for us to be sexual for sexual touch, even maybe even just a shower together, right? Mm-hmm. Something where you can feel like you are connecting physically in a, in a way that you have made space for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think moms and parents in general have to broaden their understanding of what sex is, yes. right? Because there's so much involved in sex. It's not just penetrative sex. Um, and so kids make you, kids don't care about your sex life, by the way. They don't, they don't <laughs> They don't care about your happiness. They don't care about your sex life. Kids right. aren't, aren't created to care about these things, uh, thankfully. And so they're not going to make it easier for you. So you have to put some intention into them. Um, and so, you know, you can create spontaneity by, you know, planning date night times or planning sexual time. And then, you know, not telling your partner what you're doing or those kinds of things, but making sure that it is in your life is incredibly important. And you can't do that with kids if it's not intentional. Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, just like you said, I love the reframe of intention because you, we schedule date night, my husband and I, that's something that's very important to us. So why not schedule some intimate time? I mean, like you said, it doesn't have to lead necessarily to sex or penetration, but it's time where you're just having some one-on-one with your, with your spouse. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I think childbearing years sex, which is different than non-childbearing years sex or pre-child sex, it's difficult to navigate and it's always going to be at the bottom of the list, Mm -hmm. right? You've got too many other things to juggle. And so you are the only one that's going to put that at the top of the list and it's okay. Well, that kind of leads me to my next questions because, because we're always tired. You know, I get this my girlfriends and I have these conversations all the time. Like we're just exhausted at the end of the day. We've been overstimulated by kids or going and going and schedules. And sometimes it's maybe the last thing that you want to do because it's just to do more energy. So how, how do you work on something like that? Because I mean, it's such a huge part of a relationship, but it's 
like you said, it's after the childbearing years and you have your little kids, it's, it's a lot harder. Oh yeah. And you know, I think it's okay to be too tired. And I, I want to say that so that people feel they're not shamed and too not, it's okay to be too tired. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you're going to be too tired a lot most of the time. And it's not even just physical tired. It's emotional tired. It's being too touched. It's, you know, it's dealing with stress, um, all over the place. If you're a professional, you know, it's not the easiest thing to just leave it and come home and deal with more, you know, different drama. It's, it's okay to be too tired, but it's also important to give where you can. And, um, if this was a conversation about volunteering your time at school or helping out with a sick relative, we find it easier to just stick our necks out a little longer, even if that means we go home a little more tired. With sex, it's tricky, right? Because first of all, it always needs to be consensual. Always. Always needs to be consensual. And a lot of people forget that in marriage and think they just need to like roll over, right? Mm-hmm. Nope. It needs to be consensual. It makes your marriage worse if you don't abide by that, right? And your partner needs to know how you feel at all times. That being said, and, and just because you're married doesn't mean you can't say no. That being said, it's okay to give a little. So what that means is perhaps you aren't in the mood for penetrative sex, um, but there's manual stimulation like a hand job or body massage or cuddling or non-sexual touch. It, you know, if the goal is connection, then you find a way that fits for you. And sometimes it's okay to give and not get. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not Hollywood sex, right? It's like everybody has to orgasm at the same time. Everybody has to be totally into it. That's not reality. And that's, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to recognize that, you know what? I'm not totally in to having sex tonight, but I'm willing to give you a hand job mm-hmm. or I'm willing to, you know, do things that I don't, can I even say these things? I don't even know if I can say these things on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm just talking like I would be, but, um, but it's important for you to recognize like, Hey, my partner's into it. I'm not, I'm not really in, in reverse as well. Right. And sometimes it's just for you and not for, uh, for your partner. And how does that conversation go with your spouse? Because, you know, as moms, as women, we tend to be the ones that are the schedulers most of the time, the ones, um, making sure the kids lunch are packed and dinner's on the table. And that's not always the case I know, but How do you, how do you let your husband know that there's just so much going on in your head that this, it has nothing to do with you. It just has more to do with me and what I'm going through right now. Yeah, that's incredibly important. And and the easiest and best way for them to know is for you to say it. So first, before a spouse can respect your feelings, your, they have to know right? Um, a spouse needs to know your feelings, your needs before he or she can respect them. Um, and needs change with children. So what may have worked pre-children is not going to work anymore. And in fact, you know, it's a, a little bit of a segue, but I use the idea of the love languages with mm-hmm. couples, right? So we take the love language test. And if you're not familiar with it, it's just a test that kind of helps you understand how you like to receive love best. Um, and I actually strongly suggest taking the test. I think it's a, a good idea. Um, but I also suggest taking that test once a year. It changes, right? And and I know that, for example, and I'll relate this back to sex, but I know, for example, for me, um, before it was words of affirmation. I mm-hmm. loved words of affirmation. Well, now that I'm a mom, 
I love acts of service. Yeah. Right? If you go in there and do all the lunches for me or you clean the bathrooms, like I'm good to go. Like right. I love feeling like something's off my plate. And that's not something I totally realized, honestly, until I retook the test and realized, oh gosh, yeah, that means so much more to me right now. Same thing with sex. Um, same thing with time. I think it's important that you communicate with your partner what your needs are, which means you have to kind of figure that out, right? Touch feels differently. So you have to take an inventory on yourself and figure out what changes you need to then communicate to your spouse because they genuinely can't understand or know until you have said that. And I know that that's a weird conversation sometimes, mm -hmm. right? It's weird. We don't want to talk about these things. We just want them to know, um, but that's where people get into big trouble because they can't, they're not mind readers. And what worked before, sometimes we get into that mode of like, okay, well now why is she not responding to this? Right. Is it me? Mm -hmm. So like you said, they, they can take it personally. Why wouldn't we take it personally? Yeah. You're so right. Because I, back to the love language, we took it at the beginning of our marriage. Yeah. And I don't think my husband's has changed much, but his <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> still touch and stuff. But yep, yep. I was, I was, you know, buy me things, show yep. me, give me gifts. Yep. Now I could care less. Don't buy me anything. You know, yep. tell me you appreciate me. That's really what I love. So it does change and it is good to go back and revisit that um, ever so often because yeah, things change, your feelings change. I know mine have, and you have to communicate that because that's probably one of my husband, husband and I's biggest hurdles is communication because he says one thing and I think he's implying this and it's not the case at all, but it is an uncomfortable conversation. But if, like you said, we're not mind readers and we think about things completely different. So we have to open up and have those conversations. And I know the times that we have done that, it's led to really great intimacy and oh, yeah. just shifts in our relationship as a couple. Oh yeah. And it feels good to get your needs met. And if your need is, I need you to take over when you get home and me go out for a walk or go get in the shower um, you feel like you can decompress a little bit and recharge. And that is a much better, sure way to get to more intimacy than if you are, you know, at the end of your fuse and then your partner's like, Hey, let's have sex. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so, you know, even asking for that quiet time, um, helps you recharge, um, and you know, an, another is to start another tip is to start with non-sexual touch mm -hmm. because going to sexual touch can feel really big when you've had a really long day. Um, because then the expectations come up there again. And so you're expected to perform, but you know, um, brushing out your hair for you, um, is non-sexual touch. That feels oh, really good. That. <laughs> yeah, it feels really good. I love it too. Um, or like putting on your favorite music for you while you're finishing up lunches or even better do the lunches for you and you go take a bath. Um, but nothing is sexier than a spouse that's in tune to your needs, but you cannot assume your spouse is just in tune with your needs. If you don't know what they are and if you haven't communicated them. Right. So it takes a lot of self-discovery at different parts of your life to figure out right. what needs. Yeah. Cause if we don't know what we need, we can't explain that to anybody else. 
No. And, and I think it's, it's incredibly important. You know, I, it kind of goes back to, especially with men, I'm going to generalize a little bit here, but as a, as a society and culture, you know, we have terms like man up, don't be a sissy, don't cry, you know, suck it up. Um, and then when they get to marriage, we're like, why aren't you showing me your emotions? Yeah. <laughs> right. So well, true. because we have stifled them for so long. Right. Um, and so it's the same thing with these conversations with sex. There's no way for them to know what's going on in your head. If they haven't been there with you all day long, going through, you know, trying to trudge through the mud of parenting, um, and then you come home and expect that they understand how touched out you are or exhausted. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that that definitely answers the question that um, one person wrote in about how do you explain that to your partner that you're overtouched, but you need to decompress for a second because men, I mean, most men can probably jump straight to sex without any, you know, thought. <laughs> A lot of them can, a lot of them cannot, a lot of them want to know that they're, you know, they're attractive and, but yes, in general, if you go back to the love language, there is a high percentage of males who have physical touch as their um, love language. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's just generalized, of course, but it is true. Right. So, yeah, but you know, that's a good point. I I also don't want people to assume that the man's just ready to go when you are. And so, you know, uh, it's hard for somebody else to hold the key to a huge part of your life, Mm -hmm. right? And if you think of it that way, if you are the person who doesn't want sex more, you have more power. And so be careful with that, right? Remember that it's incredibly important. And if that's the way a person feels loved, that's why, you know, it goes back to that. You've got to give a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you don't have to do sexual acts that you don't want to do, but I think it's important to think about that as I'm a partner who wants my partner to feel loved as well. How can I do that? You know, even if I don't have a whole lot of emotional energy in my bucket, yeah. can it change a little bit? Can we do things that make us both feel connected? Again, it's another conversation to have, you know, and a lot of times people don't have those conversations till I see them in my office been years since they haven't had that conversation. And so, you know, if you get one thing out of this today, it's to have the talks that you don't really want to have because they can be so connecting and mm-hmm. so important. Yeah. So when you see your patients and you, they have this conversation, can you just see the difference of just having the talk? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you know what, sometimes, um, and obviously I'm biased. I think therapy is an awesome thing. But sometimes it just helps to have somebody else start the conversation and I respect that and I totally understand it. And so when I see that need, I, I mean, too bad if you're in my office, I'm starting the conversation anyway, (laughs) but, (laughs) but yeah, sometimes it just helps. And so for that, um, there are even things online that you can look at and, you know, I can give some of that information too, um, with like questionnaires or, you know, like, okay, I don't want to talk about it, fill this out and then we'll talk. Right. Um, and I have some couples that are, they haven't communicated for years about anything. And so mm-hmm. jumping to sex is obviously not going to work. Um, so we start small. We start with kind of getting to know each other again. And, and there's all kinds of online resources for that as well. If communication isn't your thing. Yeah, I, that would make sense. I would yeah, I'll just jump to the sex talk. And if you're not mm-hmm. good at communicating for years. Raising a family is hard. 
and having to find the right doctors adds even more stress to a busy mom schedule. UMC takes the guesswork out of healthcare decisions with their Easy Care Line. A nurse navigator on the Easy Care Line can help you find the right specialty, check for insurance coverage, and secure an appointment. UMC was awarded the Outstanding Patient Experience Award in 2021, so you know that your care is their priority. UMC Healthcare Systems, meeting moms where they are. Getting back to the childbearing sex years and stuff, you yes. know, obviously you touched on this earlier, our bodies change, especially the women's with pregnancy and birth and breastfeeding yes. and whatever, you know, and it's hard to feel sexy and confident after you've gone through that, you know, sometimes you feel even more sexy and confident because your body did go through that. But a lot of times it's, you know, you don't look like you used to look. So right. how, how do you work through that to, to feel confident and sexy again? Well, it's a lot, right? I'm losing what you thought was a positive body image, perhaps. And, and we'll start with the people who kind of go backwards and think, ah, eh, I've kind of lost my touch. I don't like the way I look because you're right. There are a ton of people and I'm thrilled for them that feel even more confident, right? I, I think that's a wonderful, beautiful step to take. Um, but for those that aren't as confident after, um, it has a lot to do with recognizing how your body works now right? Um, body image obviously is at a huge part of sexuality. Um, and with women, I work extensively, I would say on that, um, regardless of whether you had the child, you adopted the child. I think when we are more fatigued, our body changes, right? Um, hormones change it. Um, postpartum depression can change perspective on, on everything. And so, those kinds of things are important to recognize and respect as really powerful um, changes in who we are. For those women, what I like to do is start with strengths. What are your strengths right now? And that's not even a, a, an aspect of body image right now, but I want them to get used to liking themselves, right? Um, because when we don't feel good about our body image, a lot of times that changes the whole way we see ourselves completely, right? I'm not doing a good job. I'm not eating right. I'm not, well, you are making incredible changes. You're raising humans, <laughs> um, which is no easy feat. And so we start with strengths and we look at what are you really good at, right? And I'm not talking about like, I'm a good tennis player. I mean, that could be yeah. part of it, right? But it's, I'm good at being kind. I'm good at paying attention to the needs of others. I'm good at, um, cooking, I provide for my family. And we start really small and we build up to what are the strengths of your body? Okay. Um, and so I think it's important to recognize what is my body really good at, right? Um, it may look different, but it may have just birthed a child, right? Um, and then we talk about what aspects of your body um, you like, they're not really crazy about right now. I call them body challenges, right? Things that we are going to have to work on. Um, and it makes a big difference. But I think the other piece of it is that a lot of times this mentality starts like immediately after childbirth, like how quickly can my uterus go back down? How quickly, yeah. you know, um, and, and that six weeks number is, is a dangerous one um, because six weeks, um, you know, Okay, after six, and what I'm talking about is six weeks after you give birth, normally you can start having sex again. 
Right. right? And so we think, okay, so our body will be back to where it needs to be. And I'm going to be completely excited to have sex. And if I'm not, then I almost shame myself for that. Right. Because right. society says, um, six weeks is a, a, a physical recommendation, right? It's, it's, it's physically, you are okay. Should be most people most likely healed enough to engage in physical sexual activity. Your doctors are not commenting on when you need to have sex again mm-hmm. or when you should be having sex again. Right. And this is important because it can quickly become an area of pressure moms put on themselves to be ready, to be back, to be ready to go the way that they were six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not the case. Right. And I think body image has a lot to do with it. Um, and you know, something else to note that I think a lot of women don't think about is even breast stimulation. If you are breastfeeding, <laughs> you don't really, you're not really interested in breast stimulation by your no, partner at that point. Right. Not at all. <laughs> and as soon as you start leaking, you're like, and we're done. Yeah. And thank you very much. I'm going to go, go back to my hole of being a milk cow and right. <laughs> yes. So, so those kinds of things aren't talked about, but Mm -hmm. they matter to how you feel about yourself very much. So, um, so being part, being honest with your feelings about your body with your partner is incredibly important. It's again, you know, I sound like a broken record, but those truthful conversations, um, if you don't, it starts to turn into like a personal attack on your spouse, right? Well, they said six weeks. And so is it me? Is it what, what's the problem? Right. Right. It's not. It's that your breasts are leaking. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing sexy about that. Yeah. And that's, you know, I guess that's the safe time, the recommendation, but there's a lot of people who don't physically, like you said, physically feel like, no. um, like when some person said, you know, get back in the saddle after birth, right? It's just, yeah. it's just not the case. I mean, it took your body, like they say, nine months to grow this child usually. And yep. so your body may never go back to what it, what it was before. But unfortunately the way Hollywood portrays it is everybody bounces back immediately. Oh yeah. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. And you know, that's just not the case most of the time. Oh yeah. Like 95% of the time. And yeah. you know, Hollywood, I, I don't even, there's nothing really nice I can say about that. And so <laughs> and how the role it plays in our lives at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and back on the saddle, the saddle's changed. You you know, <laughs> basically bareback at this point, right? There's no saddle. There's no, so so you have to respect the changes in your body. And so working on that with women is something I feel very passionate about because it's a it's a new respect for your body, right? And yeah, having couples in there working together and hearing a partner talk about how he or she feels about your body gosh, that's so powerful too. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because whether we like it or not, we get a lot of confidence from our partner and that's okay. That's that's okay. As long as you have that confidence in yourself too. So that's what I really like to work on with, with moms um, because it just, it makes such a difference um, in how we see ourselves. Absolutely. And I think you're talking about this. I'm thinking you have a 13 year old son and you know, he got to see me go through or he, he obviously is the oldest, but he, my mm-hmm. last pregnancy, he was seven. So he got to see 
me have the morning sickness and the growing belly and the late sure. nights and the nursing. And he'll remember that, you know, my mm -hmm. previous, my other daughter, he was too young to remember any of that, but it's a conversation where I want to have more conversations with him about his future wife or if he decides to get married or whatever is sure. that, you know, her body's changing and I'm glad that you got to remember a little bit of this and <laughs> go through and I need to have those conversations more. So he is more sensitive to, to what a woman goes through during that time of their life. Yeah. I think it's important. And for men, they can't possibly understand it. No. So, you know, I think a lot of um, women get frustrated with their husbands because they can't, but how could they? right? There's no possible way they can understand it. They can be sympathetic, right? And they can be kind and they can be, um, but it's a big change, right? And, and think about it if it was reversed and something was going on with your spouse's body completely changed. It, it does change things a lot, right? You're not quite sure where to touch. You're not quite sure. Um, um, but hopefully it doesn't change the desire for connection, right? Yeah. And so, a lot of sex therapy and a lot of the work that I do is trying to reconnect people in terms of understanding their bodies, new turn-ons, new turn-offs, things that feel good that didn't, right? That's a big one because mm -hmm. a lot of times we're reluctant to say that doesn't feel good anymore mm -hmm. um, because we don't want our partner to take it personally. It's your body. It's not personal, um, you know, but here is something that might work better here. And again, sometimes it's sexual exploration on your own to figure out what feels good. And so there's all kinds of activities that I have my couples go through to relearn their body when they're ready mm -hmm. um, because it's important. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of the of times, sorry, a lot of the times do you have them just work on themselves and then come together? Do you ever see them separately? And then I, you have, okay. Yeah. So it, especially, well, depending on the particular issue, I always like to see couples separately um, at the beginning, just because I like to screen for abuse, any, anything that you aren't going to really feel comfortable talking about in, in person, but also with sex therapy, um, it's helpful for them to have an outlet outside apart from their spouse to say, here's what's going on with me. Right. Cause sometimes we're not comfortable with that. Um, so I do a, an individual assessment, I have them take an entire sexual history that I read, um, that stays in their file that their partner doesn't read. Um, and then I bring them together and we kind of talk about, you know, here's, here's what I see as possible areas of growth for you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, yeah, it's very helpful. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it's important for everybody to have their individual space to talk. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, at the beginning, sex is relational, but it's also very personal and individualized. Absolutely. And respect that. Yeah. And I wish, you know, I turned 40 this year. I turned 40 mm -hmm. and I wish I could go back and tell my 26 year old self, who just became a wife and stuff. You're not going to feel like this, like this is not how you're going to feel forever. Like your right. body's going to change and your outlook's going to change. And, you know, now I'm proud of my body and what it's done. And I'm more sympathetic and not so hard on myself. I'm hard on myself to be healthy because I know that's definitely an area I need to work on um, just to be a better mother and to live a long, healthy life. But I also don't necessarily beat myself up for the stretch marks and for, you know, those things right. like that, because I mean, I carried three children. And so I, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self that your outlook will change and, and it'll be a better outlook. So. Yeah. And, you know, statistically, I mean, sex gets better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So, and it really does. And, and a lot of that has to do with your self image mm-hmm. and how you understand your, your body and um, cut it some slack, especially as a mom who went through childbirth. And, you know, I think the, the, again, it's a whole nother podcast, but for people who were also dealing with fertility issues, it wasn't just nine months of mm-hmm. not really owning your body. It may have been two years. It may, and, and those hormones, and I can speak personally on this, they really mess with you and your head and your everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's, that's a whole nother ball game of, you know, not having your body as your own for so long changes the way that you feel that you think. And so those things really make a difference. So yeah, if we could all go back and tell our our pre-kid selves things. Um, hopefully it would be that it gets better. Actually, you got to put work into it. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, statistically frequency of sex doesn't mean quality of sex. And so if you can really put some work into yourself, into your relationship and communicating with your spouse to get it right for you, gosh, it's so rewarding. And I love to see couples who come back and say, we had the best sex of our lives. We had the best, you know, and a lot of times it's when we're doing exercises where I've told them not to engage in sexual activity at all whatsoever. Right. Homework is to not have sex, but you're going to do these non-sexual touch exercises. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm like, yes, they had sex. <laughs> <laughs> because it just feels like, oh, we're not supposed to be doing this. Right. And so right. we're just like, but our bodies respond to people that they love and our, and our partners. And so it's wonderful. And it's just, it's relearning yourself and it's fun. Yeah. It can be a lot of fun. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit because there was a lot of questions like about vasectomies and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the pros and cons because my husband had a vasectomy after our third child. And so, you know, that was, we'd already decided that and, it was fairly smooth and easy and I think we'd hit our deductible. So, you know, it was a good time to do it. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's what 40 year olds get, 40 year olds get excited about, but <laughs> it's true. It's true. But for those who are thinking about it or trying to talk to their partner about it, um, yeah. what do you say pros and cons? Um, you know, obviously it's a surgical procedure. So, I mean, technically, I guess that could be a con, like there's some risk involved with that. It it really depends on what the purpose is. Um, You know, I think that vasectomies, you know, a lot of times you'll hear like, well, I did childbirth, you can do this, right? Yes, possibly. Um, Does it change hormone levels as much for men as it does for women? Nope. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge bonus there in terms of, of, but, you know, tying your tubes doesn't really either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I'm talking about is essentially staying on contraception. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I am not a medical doctor. None of this is medical, right. right. But it's just based on some of the things that I see in my practice and in, you know, just reality. Um, so do women have better libido off the pill? Um, a lot of them say yes. Some of them say it doesn't really affect it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's more of a personal decision. If you're having major hormonal issues being on the pill or any kind of contraception that you use, then yes, I think it's maybe a better option. Um, you know, some women are, 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 have contraception, use contraception for hormonal issues. So yeah. in that regards, you know, 
yes, you could get a vasectomy if it's just a little bit easier, less, you know, worry. It, it's a very personal decision. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's the end of this conversation is, is a, it's a very personal co- decision. But, you know, there's also the assumption that, oh, we won't get pregnant if we get a vasectomy. Most of you, that is true. <laughs> Most of you, that is true. Um, of course, you'll hear the stories of the people that I, I have a dear friend who has um, an eight-year-old <laughs> and had a two-year vasectomy. So, you know, I think that those occur. There's always risk of getting pregnant after vas- vasectomy, after tubal ligations, is the risk very high? No, it's not. So yes, that can take some of the, um, the fear away. The recovery time is quick. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see a lot of cons right. for a vasectomy, right. Other than the surgical risks, but it's gotta be right for you. And, you know, I don't think that, um, if it makes partners feel like they are contributing to, you know, their journey of, uh, as a family, knock yourself out, mm-hmm. but really it's a personal decision. I think that, yeah, the recovery time's less than a tubal ligation, unless you're, you know, like for me personally, I had a tubal ligation. I was in the middle of a C-section. So I was like, let's just wrap this up right, right now. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so if that's the case, then that's fine. Um, but you just have to assess the risk and you mm-hmm. have to assess you know, what you're looking at, your goals. And I think that's important. What are our goals as a couple, right? And is it, I don't want to be pregnant again. It's a really good option, right? Yeah. It's a good option. It's not foolproof, but it's a good option. So um, yeah, but, but it's, again, here I go with my conversation, right? Communicate about what your goals are, which sounds funny, you know, but do I want to feel better? Do I want my hormones to change? I'd like to get off. Those are the kinds of things that I really want y'all to talk about as, as a couple where you make that decision. Are you searching for a doula who's experienced and passionate about helping you with your pregnancy and birthing journey? Michelle Murphy Ward is the owner of Bird and Bloom, and she offers childbirth education classes, birth doula services, lactation counseling, and birth doula mentorship. Michelle is the current Southern Region Ambassador for Dona International and maintains the highest level of certifications and standards for her practice. Call her today at 806-429-1550 or go to birdandbloom.com for more detailed information. When you see, when you are with your um, patients and are different couples and stuff, do you see a lot of low libido due to lack of communication or like hormones and stuff? Because I know like right now I'm going through a lot of hormone issues that I need to go see a specialist about. And so does that come up a lot in your conversations? A ton. Okay. Absolutely. Um, hypoactive sexual desire disorder is, is something that I, um, studied at great lengths in my, um, doctoral program, um, just because it affects so many of us for so many different reasons. And, you know, I think culturally it also can affect us, but, um, hormones play a major role in our sex. Uh, It's just unbelievable. And, you know, I'd say 90% of the people that I see with low libido, I want them to go just get a baseline check on their hormones before we engage in any kind of, um, exercises to increase that. And a lot of times, yes, that's communication and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, desire is directly linked to that. Um, it can be hormonal. Absolutely. And that's why I like to rule that out. 
But once it's like, well, you know what? Your body's looking good. You're healthy. You're making good decisions for yourself. Your wellness is, is physical wellness is good. Then we start looking at the, at the relationship and how much does your partner know about who you are? How much do you know about who you are? That affects desire, right? If we don't know our turn-ons and turn-offs and things that work for us and things that don't, we're not going to be very interested in it. Um, and that's the truth of it. And so, yeah, it has a lot to do with communication and connection, um, a ton actually, but I also kind of provide some psychoeducation for my couples when we're talking about desire, about the huge differences between desire and arousal. They are related, but they are not the same. And, um, arousal is the physical response that we have and desire is the interest right? It's the psychological aspect of sex that is so incredibly powerful. Um, And, you know, when we hear, you know, people make up statistics, but like 85% of sex is based on the psychological, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever number you want to come up with, it's true, right? Mm -hmm. It's incredibly important to how we see ourselves, how we see our partners, our interest in sex. And so desire issues come from all over the place, especially for moms. Um, And so paying attention to that is important. Um, Just because you have low desire doesn't mean there's something wrong with your body, Mm -hmm. Um, but it can, right? And so I I would love all women at the age of about 40 um, to start looking at hormones as an issue Mm -hmm. um, because they change, right? And, And supplements aren't a bad thing. You just need to make sure that you're supplementing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So one of the last questions I have is, is a biggie because I want to talk about the role of adding things into your sex life to spice it up. Yeah. Um, you know, cause sometimes that's a hard conversation with, with couples. I know my husband and I, uh, we recently got the adventure challenge. Yeah. And so like, it gives you different adventures to scratch off. Well, this is like the embed version. And so yeah. it was just like a fun thing to do. And you know, talk about things you hadn't talked about before. So tell me, you know, some things that you suggest or things that you could, well, first of all, how do you even have this conversation with your, with your <laughs> partner? And cause it's, a, that's a hard one. And then what do you suggest and recommend and different um, things that people can take away from this conversation and, and use or get? Absolutely. Toys are fun. Um, and anything that you are using to add, you know, use the word spice, but um, anytime that you want to create excitement for yourself or change how your body's being stimulated, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a good thing. Um, it, it can help you achieve orgasm faster or simply just to play, to connect with your spouse, to provide, like I said, they've got all kinds of games that you can start conversations or do things that you wouldn't normally just do or try. Right. Um, they're less th- taboo than they used to be. Um, in fact, I just read, um, a Facebook post, I think it was yesterday about this woman that was like, I want to take our toys. We're going on vacation, but I'm worried about them being in my suitcase. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, and you know, somebody was like, I guarantee you, they are not going to mess with your toys and they're not going to judge you for it. Right. And, and a ton of women were like, Oh girl, that's my favorite toy or whatever it is. Uh Um, so pick them out together if you want, right? Sometimes that in itself is a connecting experience to go into the store, to go online um, and and pick them out together. If you have no idea where to start, then backtrack to what you'd like stimulated more, 
or what you'd like to engage in, right? If you want couples toys, they have toys that are specifically for couples, um, like a couple's ring. Um, and again, you know, um, you can Google these things like um, websites like Adam and Eve mm-hmm. are big giant, you know, distributors of, of toys and, and sexual play. Um, and you can do that online together. You can do it by yourself. There's lies that we start to believe that your spouse is all you need physically, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, connecting wise, that might be the case, right? You're the only person I want to connect with. But sometimes it's fun to have other ways to stimulate our body and to have our partner even use them on us is perfectly fine. Right. Um, but it's not true that your partner's all you need. And a lot of times that puts shame into the person who wants to play with toys or to add something. Um, and so one of the biggest toys that's hottest on the market right now is a clitoral stimulation um, that uses air and suction. There's a bunch of different options. I think some of the, the better, more popular ones are the rose. That's These are they're female toys, but of course your, your partner can use them on you, the rose. And then uh, there's the satisfier. I think they just came out with a new like 2.0 or whatever. Um, but it uses air and suction and it's clitoral stimulation. Um, mm-hmm. and I think those are really popular because they're smaller. You can put them in the water um, you can use them on yourself. You can have your partner use them. And so, you know, technology has created a lot of different uh, opportunities for that, but they're highly recommended devices. I, I recommend them a lot to different clients who, mm-hmm. you know, again, sometimes penetrative sex, um, you prefer a clitoral orgasm. And you're not going to get that necessarily with penetrative sex. And so, you know, those kinds of things are important to know about yourself, especially after kids, right? The inside of your vagina changes, there's different feelings, sensations. And so clitoral orgasm sometimes feels safer to start with. A lot of times it's a deeper orgasm. And so you'll need to, you know, recognize that for yourself and what feels good and what doesn't. And then, like I said, there's the couple's ring. There's all kinds of couple's toys that you can use that stimulate both of you at the same time. Um, but again, if it's consensual, it's right. fun to shop together. And, and that's the biggest thing is, you know, you want to make it consensual. Are toys naughty? Are they bad? Do they make sex dirty? No, no, and no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so, again, it's just, you know, if you didn't grow up around them, which most likely you didn't, right? Right. No, <laughs> we no. don't have these conversations. Um, and a lot of people don't even have the conversations with their peers, their friends, because they think, oh, we're, you know, doing something that we shouldn't talk about. It's not true. It's not true. Um, different kinds of find those friends you can have those conversations with. (laughs) You might learn something, right? Right. That's great. Um, and then there's different types of lubricants. A lot of these toys use water-based lubricants. And so it's important to recognize that they, so those kinds of things you can pay attention to. But, um, and there's also nothing wrong with lubricant. And I, and I want to say that because a lot of women think, you know, I'm, I'm dry or, you know, does that mean I'm not interested? No, right. it means your body's changed. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you, you use lubricants and find the one that works for you. And that may mean you, you know, go through three or four of them before both of you feel like, oh, that's a really good one, but it's a part of our lives. And it, you know what, I'm, if you needed heart medication or you had high blood pressure and you took stuff or you needed we wouldn't think twice about it. Right. Right. But for this part of our life, we think, Oh, I'm just supposed to be perfect. Yeah. And that's not true. Help yourself. Not at all. And it's also important to have that conversation with your partner. Like, 
you know, you may not know what you like and y'all could try some things out, but also, Hey, if I don't like this, we can back out of it. Um, or I can say, I'm not comfortable with that and, and do that, like communicate that. And then also with your partner, I can, I can see where some people might get offended. Like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not doing enough or I'm not, I'm not doing it for her. So she needs this. And that's not the case at all. Not at all. And again, I recognize that sometimes people take it personally. I recognize that. And that's the way our society has set it up for us. And I I hate that for us. Um, But yeah, I mean, is your partner's penis great? Sure. But is it creating an air suction on your clitoris? No, it's not. (laughs) It's not magic. (laughs) Oh, how about that? How about we do both? Right. And so um, those kinds of things are important to explore and make light of. Right. I mean, it's it's just, it's just the two of you potentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes your thing. It becomes your toys. It becomes your, but it's also okay to masturbate, to explore your own body. I think it's incredibly important actually, so that you Mm -hmm. understand then what to communicate to your partner. So anyway, it's fun. Several times this has come up and I have yet to explore it, but I need to, the Rosie app. Is that something that you use or you recommend? Um, I have recommended it. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. To partners. I think that that's a a helpful um, app. I think it's a helpful way to understand yourself um, a little bit better. And so, yeah, uh, when, when it's necessary or when it's helpful, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it can be good. It can be good. Absolutely. So you're in the process of writing a book. So I am. what, what, tell us a little bit about that. So it's about motherhood and sexuality and oh. a lot of the things that we talked about today, but also kind of going through how our body changes, understanding that. And it's from, you know, each chapter will begin with um, a story about a real mom who's dealt with whatever we're going to then talk about in the chapter um, so that you can kind of get a personal connection. Okay. Um, and and yeah, we'll go through a lot of the things that we talked about today. I'll add a, a bunch more information about some of the things. And um, I and love that. The working title is Moms Have Sex Too. So, oh, I love um, that. <laughs> and so when are you hoping to have it? That is a fabulous question. I don't know. Um, because you know, I get in the mood to write for a little bit and then I get busy or I don't know. Um, the summer was when I really started working on it. And then of course, summer is a terrible time to do anything for yourself with children home. Oh my goodness. Um, so I've just started, you know, putting, uh, some designating some time to write, um, again, now that the kids are in school. So I'm excited about it. Um, but I think it's an important topic just because, you know, we, they have all kinds of like sexy, get yourself, you know, ready for sex. And this is what you should be doing. And moms have different sex lives and that's, you know, I I don't think there's a a big voice out there for us. Um, strangely. So can't wait to share it with all of our <laughs> and stuff because I mean that would go go over huge in the mom immune and it, summer uh, is the absolute worst time I agree with you <laughs> because you've got all your kids home and it's just it's not possible and just like they don't care about your happiness or sex life <laughs> they don't care about your personal time either exactly exactly <laughs> but I love that and it, it's such a needed book and I'm so excited I'm gonna be the first one in line to get it oh you're sweet awesome. <laughs> Awesome, I awesome. cannot wait. And hopefully we'll meet in person and you can even sign my book. I so. know that would, that would be awesome. 
Well, Erin, thank you so much for doing this today because I think this is such an important topic and I love that, that we're talking about it more, especially as moms and, you know, just helping other mothers out. It's so important. And so I just appreciate you coming on today and taking the time to do this because our listeners love this kind of stuff and they need this kind of content. So it's just, it's so great that, um, that you were able to do this for us today. Of course, I enjoyed it. And um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to share information because I just, I feel very passionately about it. I feel very passionately about women recognizing their strengths and feeling beautiful and sexy and recognizing how important sex is to who they are. So thanks for the, uh, the opportunity. Absolutely. And one more thing, if people yeah. want to follow you to, so they can keep up with your book status and when they can get it, is it Instagram, Facebook, where, where can we follow you? So I'm about to start an Instagram page specifically for it. But for now, um, my website is aaronrossphd.com. And that's my professional website. Um, but also I'll start posting information about the process. So wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful day and weekend coming up too. So hey, you too, you too. Today's episode is brought to you by UMC Health Systems. UMC meaning mothers where they are.